Welcome to the Cashflow Canucks podcast, where Canadian entrepreneurs and investors come to learn about wealth creation. Experts in their fields will join your host, Peter Lount, to share their successes, challenges, and discuss opportunities. Join me and my guest, Sandy McKay, as we talk about building generational wealth through real estate and cash flow. Sandy is the founder and CEO at McKay Realty Network. Together with his team, they help clients create wealth that will span generations. He's going to share some key elements on how to achieve sustainable growth for your business. Welcome and enjoy. All right, today on Cashflow Canucks, I have Sandy McKay. Sandy, welcome. Thanks, Peter. Happy to be here. Awesome. Sandy, can you uh, tell the, the Cashflow Canucks community a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I am a real estate entrepreneur, primarily. Um, Mid-30s, started out in the real estate world uh, about 10 years ago and really was dabbling into creative real estate investing and you know trying to come up with ways to make some money when we had no money. And so getting some creative, creative stuff done there, um, wholesaling real estate, putting together sort of creative real estate deals. And uh, through that, ended up buying some properties, ended up getting my real estate license as a realtor in 2014. So that'd be six years ago now. And then we, yeah, in the last six years worked, um, building up a real estate business from that standpoint, as well as the realtor, sorry, the, as well as the investment side of it. And then, uh, yeah, in the last few years really started opening up a few other complimentary businesses there, um, ancillary businesses. So property management, uh, construction and, uh, landscaping now as well. It's, that's, getting really active right now and a few other smaller ones that are just in the building up phase, but kind of creating a bit of a Costco of, of, of a sort for real estate investors. Awesome. And you, um, so you made that, how will, how did you make that flip from you? What would you do before? Where, where did you do before you were in real estate? So I was, I should also mention too, we have my other partner, Rob and I have a, a real estate investing podcast that's kind of popular in right. Canada. Absolutely. Uh, Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. So I started that six and a half years ago now too. So um, that certainly helped in growing our audience and our followers. Uh, before real estate, uh, dabbled around to a lot of different things, to be honest. I was uh, living in Australia for three years as um, in the golf industry. Went over there, uh, kind of dabbling in the little pro events and stuff like that. And then ended up uh, teaching golf there for about a year. Came back, uh, would have been probably two, two-ish years of kind of bouncing around little, I don't know, nothing serious, just kind of odd jobs, trying to find my way sort of thing. And then um, then got into creative real estate stuff, went to a Rich Dad Poor Dad, read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, went to a Rich Dad Poor Dad event, um, said, Oh crap, we got to, this is so exciting. Got to get in this, uh, started doing some, you know, kind of guerrilla marketing whole, wholesale strategy stuff and, um, had some success actually, which is, I know most people, it's a very challenging thing to wholesale real estate in Canada, which is basically you're finding undervalued properties and flipping them to an investor before you actually even close on it. So you're basically selling a contract to a, a an end buyer of some sort, who's going to then flip it or do a renovation or buy and hold that sort of thing. And you you have to really find some motivated sellers to make that work. And so we did a, start doing a few deals like that. You know, we were in the range of, um, uh, anywhere from like five grand up to 30 grand in profits per deal. Um, very low costs. I mean, we were just 
pouring our energy into it kind of guerrilla style and putting banner ads or sorry, um, not banner ads, but um, what do you call them? Like uh, billboard ad things that we were throwing together on stop signs and stuff like that. And uh, bandit signs, sorry, bandit signs. And doing a bit of ads and classified stuff like Kijiji and Craigslist. Kijiji was probably the biggest one at that point. And what we were really doing was building up an investor list and a, a list of motivated sellers and we'd try and pair them up. And so the investor list was actually the, the smartest thing we did, not even really knowing where it would go, was building up that investor list and uh, and building up a database essentially that that we can utilize in all these businesses we have now. And so that's become really useful, kind of kind of purposeful, but kind of just lucky in doing that, the way we were doing it. And yeah, I mean, we put together a few deals and then started to get a little bit of money and then just kind of translated that into into buying some properties, partnering with people, buying more properties and uh, growing the thing from there. So I, I did not come from a real estate world in it by any means, that's for sure. Yeah. And so you, um, what kind of like drove you get started? Because wholesaling is like, it's not, you're not, you don't get a license. There's, there's nothing in that world. You kind of just really have to figure it out yourself, right? Yeah, we pretty much, I mean, we did get involved in a lot of local clubs, things like that, that were great for networking and learning. Um, you know, we, we definitely had a big, and my wife, I, I keep saying we, cause it was my wife and I that got into this really at the same time and together, not my wife at the time, girlfriend at the time, but we were kind of both getting into this world at the same, same time, getting excited about it. I think we probably fed off each other and the, and the excitement around that um, definitely helped. <clears throat> to make us feel less, you know, alone in this. So that definitely helped. And then we'd go to all these events, networking events, uh, like conferences, things like that to learn and grow. And we just had a pretty strong desire to keep learning about it. Um, I would say I've always been a bit of a lifelong learner in that sense. So I've always had a, you know, something I'm interested in, I really get really interested in learning more about. And uh, we just kind of struck with us for whatever reason. I think it was partially financially driven and partially just, you know, real estate's kind of cool and exciting. And, you know, there's a lot of self-development growth and stuff in in that space. So it was all kind of coming together at once. And it was just like, it's just exciting. And we kind of just got worked up in it all. And, and that energy probably carried us through more than anything, our, our mutual energy around it. And then, and then going to the events and learning with other people too. You, you learn one extra thing as you come away from an event and all of a sudden, there's your kind of energy and stuff for the next week or month until you go meet, meet another group. And then you, you keep kind of carrying that through, you know? Right. And you, you have definitely a definite arc to this, where you went from, from wholesaling to real estate. Now you have a brokerage, right? Um, with how many almost, agents? Almost actually. We have a, almost, we have a real okay. estate team and then yeah. we're actually working on a, we are launching a new brokerage soon um, in the Vaughn area, North Toronto. And, um, and we have a real estate team currently, mostly Hamilton, Niagara region. And uh, we have 25 ish people involved in that right now. Um, not all realtors, about 15, 15 ish realtors. And then a bunch of support staff and things like that to put it all together. And then you've also built out, you're saying you're building all these other businesses, which are complementary to what you're doing. And what's your main investment strategy now, um, as opposed to the whole, maybe you are still doing wholesaling, but what's the, what's the main? Yeah, so we started out doing wholesaling. We started out, we started out kind of learning about a little bit of everything, learning a bunch of strategies and probably not really going deep on one. We did a bit of wholesaling. We did uh, some flips. We never actually did one, but we came 
really close to doing some rent to own deals. Um, we did, I, I've been involved in rent to own deals, but not directly myself uh, as like an investor in them. Um, we've done, um, yeah, but typical buy and hold type deals. <clears throat> we started out the very first property we bought was kind of a buy and hold. It was 267,000. It was in Oshawa. It was uh, just before the market really took off and, you know, we got, you know, timed that pretty well. Um, and we were able to, in a couple of years, you know, it was worth $140,000 more and we probably spent about 10 grand in upgrading it. So it was, uh, different than the version we use now, but almost similar in a way because what we use now is the Burr strategy, which is basically buying a really, really undervalued or under, you know, a, a dump of some sort that we can add a value to and renovating it, refinancing it, renting it, and then just holding it long-term. So it's kind of flipping it to yourself, which is a strategy that um, I love because you can expedite the growth of a portfolio pretty quick because you're recycling that chunk of money, whether it's your money or a partner's money, you're recycling it over and over again. And so that's, uh, that's our main strategy that we use today. And the one that we have been using for a while. Um, and, and what the way we ended up with all these other businesses was that we just looked at that strategy and kind of was looking at the core, the core, uh, needs in that strategy and how we could get a little more control in them and, and make sure that our processes are run a little more smoother because at a, at a point, sometimes, you know, we're working with other companies and contractors or other, other support companies. And uh, if it's really, you know, involved and they're a bigger company, you're not getting quite as good of a service as you might if it's your own company and you can really have more control. And so we just kind of thought at a certain point, we had a bunch of properties ourselves. Um, we thought, why not? why not have a go at creating our own property management company? Um, and my wife currently runs that full time. And so we built that up over time. It really, they feed each other sort of thing, right? With the property management, the realtor and the investment space, they're all kind of feeding business back and forth. So that turned out to be a really good synergy there. And then construction came afterwards too. Construction is a really challenging industry. Uh, you know, lots of different things to work around there and work with. And, it's challenging to find good contractors as a lot of people know and challenging to find ones that are good. Um, the, the challenge we always had was we'd work with a couple of them and they were great for a time. And then they either got too big and started lo like losing a bit on the service side of it, or they started to get really expensive because they were so big and had so many systems involved in there that they needed to, to cover so much overhead. And the model, it, it always would change our model. We'd have to kind of transition with them and with our, these key people we were working with. And so it just made sense that we could bring it in-house, control it a little better, and, uh, and, and just kind of fine-tune that burst strategy through these companies now. And so that was the real motivation behind starting those companies. And, um, and it took really finding the right people to get involved with in order to have them run smoothly and not be myself or any, you know, any of our other members spending their whole life in this world in this business like we wanted to create it so it's well it adds a little bit of stress and activity and time commitment at the beginning we we wanted it to also still be scalable and not be myself doing everything because um, i don't want to i'm always conscious of that as getting overly stretched on different things and i wanted to maintain my focus as which is what i do primarily day to day is the realtor team and leading the realtor team and, and uh and building that with uh with the, with the help of all of our team members there. Right. Okay. So you talked about control 
consistency systems scale, how important is that to have all those components in order to, to grow, to get to the. I think it's yeah, crucially important, especially a couple of them. I mean, um, the system side of it's really important. Everything, everything we do now is we, we're trying to create systems because I think systems are what makes a business worth anything. You can have great people and people are worth a lot, but they also can come and go at times. And so the systems that are created within the company are always what's really the systems and a, and a database. It, certainly in any sales business, a database is huge. And so we always really focus heavily on those two components there and making sure they're getting fine-tuned. The database is growing, getting more... Um, you know, engagement from the database and then also working on the systems to, to help with that engagement, help service them and have a better experience for everyone that we work with. Uh, those are the two biggest things I would say. And well, they're not necessarily the two biggest things. They're the two biggest things in probably valuing and, and growing the company, but the people are really a huge, huge piece there as well. And, and getting in the business with the right people, which we've had failures and, and uh, successes with, although it's key because you need people to run those systems and, work that database and so i guess yeah, rounding that that answer out all three of those things were the biggest that we focused on for us that have uh helped us grow to the point we are today i would say and would you say um do you have anything do you have any like you know stories of challenges anything like that that maybe has out of it maybe you didn't see at the time but maybe had meaning after in terms of helped you to to grow your business <laughs> Well, I mean, <clears throat> the podcast is a really easy example there. We had uh, we had the podcast up for about a year and a half. So when we first started the podcast, it was six and a half years ago. In podcast world, it was pretty... Podcasts weren't brand new by any means, but they were... They weren't... They definitely weren't what they are today. So it was... Um, you know, we only had to do one episode a month, for example, back then. And everyone loved it. And it was, it was enough. Now it's like you got to be doing it once every probably I'd say every two weeks at least to get some sort of traction. So back then when we first started, we really started, we weren't realtors yet. We were kind of investors, not overly experienced investors. We were just kind of investors that wanted to have good conversations with others in the, in the industry that we could learn from. We could create some, you know, an audience to help them learn. And we looked at the, all the American content that was out there, which was some great stuff, but there was very minimal, if any, Canadian content around the real estate investment industry. And we looked into it, like looked for some, you know, a market analysis around who our competitors might be in that space. Very, pretty much none. There was some people who had dabbled and tried some things out for like eight, 10 episodes worth and then nothing. So they just obviously had started something, thought it would be a good idea, didn't get success from it right away and gave up. And I think because of probably because of our where we were coming from when we started it, probably what helped with helped us with this was we weren't really looking to get much out of it aside from have some good conversations with people. And so even just getting the episode done was like, oh, that was cool. That was so fun. That was that was like our win. Versus like looking at it every month, going, where's the sales or where's the business coming from? We didn't really think that way at all, which was a benefit. Now we think a little more that way, but we were also still you know, conscious of the fact that it's the great content that people want there and they're going to reciprocate in wanting to do business with, with us or wanting to send us business or whatever, just because of the value we're giving through the content. And, and, uh, so, uh, in that, that first year and a half or so or to two years, even of that podcast show that we were creating, um, that we still have was, was very minimal 
like what's in it for me if i were to sit back and think about that there was zero in it for us from a like financial sense or anything like that or business growth there was really not much aside from the knowledge we got our own self from it so and the connections i would say that we were able to make through that but um it would have been very easy to give up after six months or so, you know, saying there's, I haven't got any return on this time we're spending. And back then too, like, I, I don't even know how to do this anymore, but we put together a show. We did all the techie stuff behind the scenes. I probably spent like three weeks trying to figure out how to upload a, uh, a, a podcast to iTunes. iTunes was like the only place back then. And so thankfully that was the only place I had to figure out how to get it to, but it was tough. Like I spent a lot of hours on that and I'm not, I'm okay at technology, but I'm not like a tech wizard. So it was pretty tough. It took a lot of time and, and effort. And then, you know, we just didn't give up on it. And thankfully a year and a half, two years later, all of a sudden, and we were both realtors at the time, all of a sudden the leads start just coming in like weekly. And we're like, Holy crap, this is like, we're getting a lot of business from this. We should actually look at this as a bit more of a business lead generation strategy than just uh, Hey, let's have some fun and record some content. So I guess the point of that though, the point of that story, and now we get, you know, 10 plus thousand up to upwards of 20 plus thousand per episode of, of listeners. And, you know, we, we have that because we kept going with it. And now over time, it's a, it's a great show and great content there and tons of content to share with people. Um, whereas we could have easily given up really early on it without seeing the return, but it's the same thing in businesses and stuff. I think it, the return doesn't come right away in almost anything you do. You have to be, I look at almost everything with a two year outlook on it. Um, and say, well, if I didn't get anything on this for the first two years, like, is it still, is it going to be a loss or, you know, cause I, I think there's always a bit of a hockey stick approach, right? It, uh, it, it starts slow and then all of a sudden something just takes off and it doesn't usually happen overnight. So most marketing campaigns or things like that, that we put together in our businesses right now, it's a longer term approach. Um, and I think a lot of people give up early on those, on those things. And they, um, they miss out on that. Like you can be so close sometimes it's almost, it gets, you almost hit rock bottom in a sense, mentally sometimes, or, or even financially perhaps in some campaigns or strategies that you use. And the, and the best part of that is when you hit there, it's about to go up probably, but a lot of people quit when it's, when it's getting tough near that point and they break and they go backwards and give up where maybe it was like one more day or one more show or one more campaign or, you know, one more surge to get through that. And all of a sudden you were on the verge of taking off. And a lot of people miss that uh, because they give up a bit too early, like just barely too early. And so that's, that's something I've learned really over, over that um, to implement in all these businesses as well. And it's been really valuable um, knowledge to gain there through that. Yeah, definitely a um, story of persistence and the compound effect. And there's so many, things that you can take away from that specific story itself. How do you um, connect with your clients today? Is there an education process that's a big part of component of it? Like you're dealing with investors all the time. How savvy are investors on it? How much do they want to be involved or not involved? What, what's your... Well, so a lot of our... We do with um, partners sometimes who are, are really for us, our ideal partners to invest with are people that don't have much knowledge around real estate and don't really care to learn that much about it. Um, cause we're, we're kind of from in that standpoint, we're kind of the experts. We want them to be the, um, just the partner, usually it's financial partner and that's, that's it, right? We don't really want them to get too involved. And so from that standpoint, it's fairly easy. They don't want to learn too much. And those are kind of our ideal clients from the partnership investor perspective. However, on the other side where we do deal with a lot of 
people that want to be active, want to learn this stuff themselves, uh, want to invest better. And a lot of those people come to us, you know, some of them are, are pretty savvy, but the ones that aren't very savvy really need some handholding. And so we do our best to create a lot of content around that to, you know, to help them learn and grow. And then, you know, we connect them with all of our, our power team people, right. Our, our, our core, uh, allied resources in the mortgage world, um, uh, obviously the teams that we have in place, property management, construction, things like that. And, uh, accountants, lawyers, all that stuff. Um, but then beyond that too, a lot of them really need, like we get a lot of people coming to us saying they want to flip a house, for example, and they have, you know, what we usually would do, we'll organize a half hour or so conversation, just, just to consult a little bit, hear what they're coming, hear where they're coming from, what resources they have, what their plans are, like what their goals are. And, and a lot of times, almost every time, especially on the flipping a house type of a scenario, a lot of people come with that mindset. And by a half an hour in, they're they're not flipping a house ever. And it's really because they don't have the money, they don't have the resources, they don't have the risk tolerance, they don't have the you know a lot of different things. <clears throat> so through that kind of consultative approach with that, you know, a lot of times we're able to shift people's mindsets around what strategy they're using or what location they're looking at, because ultimately they they might not even know what their goals are, you know, whether it's five years out, 10 years out, one year out, depends on their situation. But a lot of people in the real estate world, I think, you know, they watch a HGTV show or something and they want to go flip houses and, and build cool places. And that's doable. Most people are not set out for that. Like they're not, that's not, that's not something they're willing to, there's a lot of stress involved in that at times. You know, there's a lot of um, speculation perhaps in the market. There's a lot of, stuff that's going to go wrong along the way. And people, a lot of people just aren't built for that kind of, that kind of risk or that kind of, um, you know, stress. So sometimes that's just not the right situation for people. And so we'll usually guide them along different, different strategies, different areas that more suit what their goals are and what their lifestyle is going to look like. And, um, so I think there's a lot of education in those conversations that goes on that, uh, that I think helps us. I think it's, I think that kind of separates us from a lot of competition in that space is that, is that a lot of, especially realtor world, like realtors, there's so many of them, not very many of them are actually equipped, uh, knowledge wise to have those conversations with, uh, with clients or with partners and, and investors specifically. Right. You can be very consultative. You build teams, you have almost a template for them to, to work with. You can add parts or remove parts as you need to, to, to really meet their objectives, right. At the end of the day, it sounds like very consultative up front to really get a good understanding of what they're, what their plan is, where they want to go. Yeah. And I think, cause otherwise if they don't hit their goals, like that's what it's the funny thing. They don't even know what their goals are a lot of times. So a lot of times it's just diving into what their real five-year plan, where do they want to be? Do they want to have like a ton of cash flow and be living, you know, quit their job and, and retire type of a thing? Is that the scenario? Or do they just want to maintain what they have, maybe build a little more security with their income, passive income, uh, revenue streams, and then, you know, have a different lifestyle with more time perhaps that they could, uh, you know, because they have more financial security, maybe now they don't have to work so hard in their day job and maybe they can spend a little bit of time on the real real estate investment side, but ultimately have a bit more money or more wealth to pass on to future generations or to, you know, have a, a better retirement plan or pay for kids' education, um, travel more, whatever the case, whatever the case is. Right. So most people don't ever think about that when they first reach out to us. They, they haven't thought that part through. So really it's about helping them uh, come up with those ideas for themselves. 
Right. Now, what about in, to begin in real estate, you build a bunch of these cash flowing uh, properties. Do people talk about really the life cycle of owning the property as in getting it up, getting running, refinance, start getting cash flow in? What about the the end of the cycle where perhaps, you know, they want to sell the property or, you know, there is, there's an estate sale or something along those lines. Does that, how often does that come into your discussions? Uh, it, it does. I mean, a lot of the investors we work with, uh, we want to maintain the long-term relationship, right? We want to be their go-to people for um, all those types of questions because whether it's us specifically or our networks of people we're, you know, in, in collaboration, collaborating with, we can connect them with the right people in those spaces, right? So I think um, whether we're the ones that always are the ones that give advice on that, probably not always the ones, but we can always refer them to the right people. <clears throat> and definitely that comes into play at some point, like estate planning, insurance, you know, what does that look like if you have different partners involved, buy-sell arrangements, uh, all sorts of different stuff, right? When to incorporate, when to keep it in their personal names. Um, so accountants and stuff, definitely big players in, in helping us with that because every person's unique from that standpoint. And from what we see, it's not there's not a one size fits all sort of a scenario for those. So sometimes we're not the best people to give advice on those, but whether we can give maybe interim advice while they are seeking their the right professional or we can refer them to the right professional to have those deeper conversations, that's definitely something that comes up a lot and something that is important. You know, most of our people, it's a wealth building, long-term wealth building plan. And it's not a one-off, we're going to go buy a flip property and boom, see you later. That's, it's not really our ideal. We work with people like that from time to time, but that's not our ideal people. We really want to be involved, help them build wealth um, long-term and make sure that happens in the way that they want to and not just be a one-off, you know, help them buy or sell one-off properties. Um, so yeah, it's a big part of it. Right. So I guess point of that really is like when you look at the long term the cash flow is really the sustainable definitely cash yeah i think most almost everyone we talk with wants to be cash flow positive on everything um there are scenarios there's some one-off scenario like so from investment in real estate perspective a lot of people uh in the toronto area for example there's a lot of people buying properties that are not cash flow positive and a lot of people ask us because we're in like a hamilton generally or a lot of secondary markets that aren't that are very doable to be cash flowing. Like you shouldn't probably be buying anything that's not cash flowing out here. But you can argue in the right scenario that people can buy non-cash flowing properties, um, which is in a scenario where they're maybe only buying like two or three for their whole life. And they're not gonna ever buy like 10 plus properties. Cause if you're ever buying one or two investment properties, being a little bit negative cash flow every month is not probably the end of the world. If your lifestyle is set up properly and your, your cash flow in other, other ways, what I mean, what I mean by that is that being negative cash flow, maybe three hundred dollars on two properties for a long period of time is what six hundred dollars a month, right? And so, depending on what how everything else is set up in your world, if you're negative cash flow six hundred dollars a month, but you're not now instead of giving money to um, like a let's say um, uh, an education fund for your, your children, like an RESP, for example. A lot of people pay what two two hundred plus dollars a month per child, give or take, on those plans. So if you were so let's line that up and say you had two kids at four hundred dollars a month, you're paying an RESP. We're gonna actually just you're not gonna pay into that anymore. We're gonna take that and we're gonna be negative two hundred four hundred dollars a month on two properties, hypothetically. 
I will put those two properties long-term in, in the GTA market up against that RESP any day. I think you're going to make a heck of a lot more money in that long-term. Um, and so in that scenario or, the, or that type of scenario, um, you know, maybe you're negative cash flow because you don't want to be involved in the property at all. You want to outsource everything to property managers, things like that. And, and for that cost and the added cost of being not involved at all, you're negative a little bit. I think that's still a better approach perhaps for some people um, than putting money into the RESP, which is a very easy solution that a lot of people do. And you can't buy 20 properties probably at negative $200 a month because that's going to be a big hit to your lifestyle being out of pocket thousands of dollars a month. But a lot of people with a different shifting of where the money is spent could perhaps be negative cash flow on a couple of properties. Is that all making sense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you get into the government qualified plans, anything like that. Um, you don't necessarily have control over when you can use the funds, how you can use the funds, depending on what plan we're talking about, RSP or RESP, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, can I ask you for, so you've this arc of like the growth that you've been, what's next for you? Like, what are your plans the next? I don't know. So it- yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about launching. We're launching a new brokerage in Vaughan area, uh, north of Toronto. There, that's something pretty exciting for us. That's uh, in the next, definitely within six months, probably more like three months, we'll be open. Um, that's another kind of different different uh, thing for us that we're excited about growing, um, and that'll be somewhere where I spend a lot of time in the next little bit. Then beyond that, we're probably you know our goal really is with that is to start with one of those, and this is in the Keller Williams world, we're going to hopefully launch a bunch more, um, which is another way to help the real estate community, um, you know, build the, build up some other great realtors. And along with that, as well as building our team and our ecosystem that we've built up here in the Hamilton area, we want to really expand that into a few other markets. So, uh, into like other markets that are similar to Hamilton, uh, Ottawa, for example, is a perfect type of market. It's got a good amount of inventory. What we're, what we're finding here in Hamilton is there's there's a point where there's just hard to find deals at some point because there's there's a good amount of inventory, but it's not endless. And the more opportunities from a like financial perspective, because the money part actually gets somewhat easy over time. The actual finding of deals that makes sense is is always the tougher part. And so finding the deals in Hamilton or in one market, you know, we'd rather um, diversify a little bit and have opportunities in other markets. And so it's finding those markets that make sense, finding the people there, and then using some of the systems on our backend that we've created to just, uh, and, and in this more virtual world that we're coming into, I think a lot of that is a lot easier now with all the tools and stuff that are out there to actually keep our hub here for those systems and just find the people boots on the ground, sort of people to run stuff locally in these other markets. So that's another thing we're working on too, is expanding what we've currently set here and growing that into some new opportunities for other people and for uh, other markets. So those are the two main things we're doing. Again, that's just really building off a platform that you've built in terms of systems and processes, be able to, to, scale that out um and that's where it goes to yeah and that's why i said before the database and the systems like in in most businesses that's really a key and those are the things that are valuable because now we can go find a person anywhere and it's the right people are super important although the systems and database stuff like those are those are always there even if you lose all the people those are still there and so we can go find people now to just implement those and that's a great opportunity for that person great opportunity for everyone to collaborate and um, grow something in a different area in this case. Right. 
Well, Sandy, um, I appreciate you sharing your story and um, with the Cashflow Connects community. Can you tell us how people can get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks, Peter. It was uh, awesome to be here. Hopefully, the hopefully the uh, listeners and and maybe viewers got some content, uh, some good content out of this and enjoyed it. Uh, best way to reach me is uh, Sandy at McKayRealtyNetwork.com. That's M-A-C-K-A-Y RealtyNetwork.com, or uh, 289-389-6846. They can reach out to me that way and get a hold of me through our office. They can also find me on social media. Uh, most social media platforms I'm okay at, so I'm, I'm pretty active enough on there that they could find me and message me through that as well. And through the Breakthrough REI podcast, right? Is the other... They, can definitely, they definitely should go check that out, breakthroughreipodcast.ca, or they can find it on iTunes or pretty much anywhere where uh, podcasts are going. Or they could like our Facebook page, Breakthrough Real Estate Investing, and catch up with the episodes on there as well. All right. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Peter. Thank you for taking time to listen to the Cash Volcanox podcast. You'll be able to find out more about our guests and how to connect with them in the show notes for this episode. Would you like to learn the secret way savvy investors and smart entrepreneurs are turning their expenses into positive cash flow? Then you want to read the Infinite Banking Concept book. For a limited time, I am giving away free copies of this book valued at $30. If you want a copy, just email me, Peter, with the subject line book to peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. Again, if you want a free copy of the Infinite Banking Concept book, just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca with the subject line book and your mailing address and I'll send you a copy. You'll finally understand how the wealthy elite is turning everyday expenses into cash flow. Just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca.